Hola, hello, bienvenido, and welcome to the Clear Birth Podcast. I am your host, Annette Perel. Whether you're a first-time listener or loyal returning guest, I want to extend a warm hola and hello to each and every one of you. For those of you who are new here, welcome, bienvenido. I encourage you to explore our previous podcast episodes. And to all our returning listeners, muchas gracias. Thank you for joining us once again. Now, before we dive into today's episode, let's take care of a few housekeeping matters. Throughout the show, I'll be referring to our segments as trimesters, mirroring the stages of pregnancy. So we have the first trimester, the second trimester, and the third trimester, each representing a unique part of our discussion. Additionally, instead of side note, we'll be introducing Braxton Hicks. These moments will provide valuable information, share captivating stories, and offer a deeper insight into the topics we're exploring. In this episode, we will discuss inductions and long labors. I will share the longest labor I attended. Can you guess how long this warrior woman labored for? If you guess three days, you'll have to listen to the episode to find out if you're right. We'll also discuss inductions. During the pandemic, a study was released to compare two different approaches to childbirth for first-time mothers who were at low risk. The first approach was to induce labor at 39 weeks of pregnancy, and the second approach was to wait for labor to start on its own, expectant management. The study involved over 22,000 eligible women, and around 27% of them agreed to take part in the study. So in this episode, I'd like to explore induction methods used as well. Let's jump into the show. first trimester. Say her name. Dr. Shalin Ma Renee Irving, PhD, MPH, MS, CHES, was an extraordinary epidemiologist affiliated with the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, and the public lieutenant commander in the public U.S. Health Service Commissioned Corps. Her life's work revolved around understanding the impact of structural racism, intersectionality, trauma, and violence on health disparities throughout a person's life. Tragically, on January 28, 2017, just three weeks after giving birth, Shallon passed away unexpectedly, drawing national attention to the alarming racial disparities in maternal mortality among Black women in the United States. Throughout her career as a sociologist and public health leader, Dr. Shallon made significant contributions to the field of health equity and epidemiology. Her research focused on health disparities among racial and ethnic minorities, women's health, elder abuse, and the consequences of intimate partner violence. Following her untimely passing, Shallon's legacy played a vital role in propelling the development of policies aimed at reducing preventable maternal deaths in Black women, including groundbreaking congressional legislation addressing maternal health disparities. Dr. Shallon Ma Renee Irving was not just an esteemed professional, but also a devoted daughter, mother, and friend. She shared a close and loving bond with her mother, Wanda who described her as smart, kind, strong, 
and vibrant with a smile that lit up a room. As a mother herself, Shallon cherished her daughter, Soliel, and was overjoyed to become a parent. She was a nurturing and supportive presence in the lives of those she loved and held dear. Throughout the time at the CDC, Shallon used her unique perspective to shed light on the overlooked aspect of public health problems, such as housing, food insecurity, violence-related trauma, child maltreatment, intimate partner violence, and elder abuse. Dr. Shalyn Ma Renee Irving was a fierce advocate for Black girls and women, recognizing their unique vulnerabilities and striving to address their unmet needs to promote equity. Shalyn's passing brought to light the stark reality that maternal mortality affects women across all socioeconomic backgrounds, including highly educated individuals with strong support systems. Inspired by Shallon's tragic death, Representative Lauren Underwood and Representative Alma Adams co-founded the Black Maternal Health Caucus. Shallon's story prompted systemic changes in funding, allocating, and research priorities in federal and state institutions. Educators have used her pregnancy and subsequent death as a case study to examine systemic failures in health care for pregnant women. Shallon's dedication to addressing structural inequities is memorialized through the Shallon M. Irving Health Equity Awards, ensuring her passion for changing lives of future generations of public health professionals. We will not forget you, Dr. Shallon M. Irving. Second trimester. Before I tell you the story of my longest birth, I'm going to start with our interview. This will help give a little context to the relationship that developed with these clients. This story is pre-COVID when we used to interview in person. I met with Sabrina, Michael, and Sabrina's sister, Zulema, who was going to be at the birth. We met in Whole Foods, and they were planning a whole birth. Our meeting lasted three hours. Just to give you a little context. Mind you, interviews usually last 45 minutes. We had a lot of conversation and the conversation was flowing and it was great. Before the end of our meeting, they hired me. Now, our first prenatal was six hours. Prenatals are usually two hour maximum. I think it's safe to say that we got along really well. Also, I want to note, my son was on vacation at the time with his father. Our second prenatal was 12 hours. After the meeting, they invited me to stay for lunch, which turned into dinner. We had great conversations. We were all excited when Sabrina went into labor shortly after our last meeting. Now, I also wanna go back and say, after the meeting, I recall standing in their living room and we were talking. And Sabrina looked at me and said, you think that if you stand that you're going to leave here sooner? He's like, you might as well sit down. You're going to be here for a while. That's how welcoming this couple and this family were to me. Braxton Hicks. It's safe to say that this relationship with Sabrina and Michael was different. I don't always have this type of relationships with my clients, but this one was pretty special. 
Inductions and long labors can be necessary in certain situations, although they should be avoided when not medically indicated. The placenta is a temporary organ, and as it becomes less efficient in supporting the baby, labor usually begins naturally. However, in some cases, medical interventions become necessary to ensure a positive outcome for both the mother and baby. The protocols for induction often overlap with managing long labors. When it comes to induction, the experience can vary depending on the provider and the progress of your labor. If you are not yet in active labor and are dilated between one and six centimeters without experiencing any contractions, the process might be different. However, here's a general outline of what is expected to give you an idea. It's important to have patience during labor and delivery, but inductions and long labors can test our patients. If you undergo induction, it's advisable to pack extra patients in your birth bag. Back to the story. Day one. After contracting for many hours, Michael called me and asked me to come over. They had been managing the labor well. Zabrina, Michael, and Zulema and when I arrived, Sabrina's contractions were four minutes apart. We spoke with the midwife, and she suggested we get Sabrina into the birth pool. We set up the pool while Sabrina rested in the next room in between her contractions. As soon as the pool was set up, Sabrina got in. She was in there for about an hour, and her contractions completely stopped and went away. If your labor is early and you get into a bath and it completely stops your labor, that's an indication that it's still very early. Braxton Hicks. Inductions are typically longer compared to spontaneous labor, averaging 24 to 48 hours, with 72 hours not being impossible. However, this doesn't mean that you'll experience excruciating pain throughout those hours. Inductions usually start uneventfully, and many hours are often spent sleeping. Additionally, there are instances where natural labors progress slowly and require medical augmentation, which shares similarities with inductions. When undergoing an induction, it's helpful to reassess your birth preferences or plan, if any, and narrow it down to the main goals of ensuring a healthy mother and baby, preferably a vaginal birth. It's important to note that induction is a medicalized form of labor and interventions, including epidurals, are likely to be used. If your initial desire for an intervention-free labor, it's essential to adjust your expectations. Back to the story. In case anyone was wondering, we need contractions to have a baby. So we got Sabrina out of the pool and we started walking the halls to bring the contractions back. We spoke with the midwife, and she was planning to come back in a few hours to check on Zabrina. Zulema made lunch, and we all took turns supporting Zabrina. Her contractions came back and were between three to four minutes apart. The midwife came, she observed for a few hours, and asked Zabrina if she wanted to get an exam. Zabrina agreed, and they checked, and she was between three to four centimeters dilated. Braxton Hicks. Vaginal exams are optional 
They only provide information about what is happening at the moment. Unless a mom is fully dilated, it's a good indication that labor is progressing. Three to four centimeters is still considered early labor. Back to the story. The midwife left and we continued supporting Sabrina throughout the night. Michael and I took shifts supporting Sabrina while the other would sleep a couple of hours at a time and then we would switch. Day two in the morning, I made us all omelets and Sabrina's contraction continued throughout the night to be three to four minutes apart. Braxton Hicks, it's not uncommon for support to rest or take turns sleeping during labor. Labors can be long, 24 to 72 hours on average. While interventions are minimized whenever possible, if labor doesn't progress as expected, interventions will be used to stimulate contractions. It's crucial to understand the risk associated with these interventions and ensure that the induction is being performed for valid reasons. During induction, there is a higher likelihood of interventions such as vacuums or forceps, assisted delivery, internal monitoring, episiotomies, etc. However, if a cesarean section can be avoided, it is considered a positive outcome. Successful vaginal births can and do occur with inductions, but they may not align with the idea of a completely natural birth. Back to the birth. Day two was very similar to day one. We walked the halls some more. The contractions continued to be about three to five, four minutes apart. We walked, we lunged, we hip squeezed, we bounced on the ball, we did nipple stimulation and acupuncture and acupressure points. We did it all. We were in contact with the midwife and she said to keep her updated and that she would check back in a few. Braxton Hicks. To gauge the chances of a vaginal birth with induction, you can use the Bishop score. Various apps and websites provide calculators where you can input your details to obtain your probability. Consult your doctor to fill in any variables you may not know. In terms of support during induction, I usually don't join at the beginning since it can take several hours, sometimes more than 12, before significant progress occurs. Similar to natural labor, I join when labor becomes more active and support is needed. It's essential to keep your doula updated as events unfold so we can determine the best time for your doula to be present. There may be periods of slower progress where I might take breaks for rest, meals, or personal care, and I will encourage your partner to do the same. While it's ideal for inductions to last 24 hours or less, they can extend upwards to 48 hours. Back to the story. Usually after 48 hours of support, a doula may ask for her backup to come in so she can take a shower or rest or eat before coming back. I was fine with staying and I took, Michael and I took turns. Zulema had gone home for the evening and came back throughout the day. We all helped Sabrina throughout that day and night. Braxton Hick. Now let's go through the different stages of interventions commonly associated with inductions. 1. Cervidil. This is typically the first step in inductions. It involves inserting a small cervidil pill, which looks like a white shoelace infused with a drug, into the vagina near the cervix. You may be asked to lie down 
for a while to prevent it from coming out. It can take anywhere from one hour to 12 hours to initiate labor, and subsequent interventions may occur within one to 12 hours. Two, cytotec or misoprosol. If labor hasn't commenced after a restless night on Cervidil, your doctor may suggest using cytotec, a pill inserted near the cervix. It tends to produce faster results than Cervidil. However, it's not guaranteed to trigger active labor. Day three. Yep, you heard me right. Day three. And if you guess day three, you'll have to wait till the end to see if there will be a day four. We got Sabrina into the shower for some relief. She was still having three to four minute apart contractions. Sabrina suggested calling her Reiki practitioner to get some distance clearing work done. This was incredible. Sabrina started to feel a little challenged by the length of her labor. We called the midwife back and she came and did an exam and Sabrina was still the same, between three to four centimeters dilated. Sabrina and Michael took a minute to decide alone if they were going to keep going or call it in and transfer to the hospital. They decided to keep going. The midwife encouraged us and told us she would be around if we needed. She was only a phone call away. Braxton Hicks. Three, balloon catheter. This intervention doesn't involve medication and can be effective in promoting labor. A balloon catheter is inserted into the vagina and inflated with sterile water, applying pressure to the cervix to manipulate it to open. It helps with the dilation and it gets most moms between three to five centimeters dilated. The discomfort lessens as time passes as the catheter often slips out. Ideally, this induction would kickstart active labor, eliminating the need for future interventions. Four. Pitocin. Pitocin is administered through an IV and is commonly associated with inductions. While some people fear Pitocin because it often leads to an epidural, it's important to reset your expectations and prioritize a vaginal birth through any means necessary. Pitocin starts at a low rate and is gradually increased every 20 to 30 minutes until the desired contraction pattern is achieved which is two to three minute apart contractions. Adjustments may be made if the baby reacts negatively, depending on the dosage. Laboring on Pitocin can be possible without an epidural. In my career as a doula, I've had two clients labor on Pitocin without getting an epidural. And I've assisted, I stopped counting 10 years ago and I was over a thousand births. So it's possible. Day four. Yes, this birth is a marathon, not a sprint. It was just Zabby, Michael, and I. We walked, we ate, we rested, bounced on the ball, lunged, squatted, and walked the stairs. Everything was on repeat. Braxton Hicks. Artificial rupture of membranes, AROM. Breaking the bag of water, also known as AROM, is a routine part of many inductions. It's painless. It's a painless procedure similar to a pelvic exam. Breaking the water, the water bag can enhance contractions and cervical dilation, especially if the bag is intact. These interventions are basics associated with inductions, but your doctor or midwife may have different protocols. 
It's crucial to communicate with them to understand what to expect. Remember that inductions require patience, and my presence may vary throughout the process depending on your labor's progression. If induction becomes necessary, know that you can still have a positive birth experience. Educating yourself about the process and understanding the reasons behind induction can contribute to a better overall experience. Day five. Yep. Y'all, this labor was truly a labor of love. Michael and Zabrina called the midwife back. She examined Zabrina and the exam was the same. The midwife gave them some options. They could continue or transfer. They sent me home to get some rest while they contemplated their decision. Five hours later, I got a call and they decided to transfer to the hospital to augment labor with Pitocin. I made my way back to their home for us to transfer together. Zabrina, Michael, Zulema, and the midwife and I transferred to St. Vincent's Hospital, Braxton Hicks. This hospital is now a condominium. Back to the story. The doctor recommended a narcotic so Sabrina could get some rest before starting Pitocin. Sabrina was able to get 30 minutes of rest, but narcotic had her feeling very loopy and out of it. But she decided to get an epidural. While they were administering the epidural, the baby's heart rate dropped and took a little while to recover. It's normal for baby's heart rates to fluctuate in labor, but they look at the recovery time as an indication of whether or not the baby is in severe distress. And the recovery time took almost a minute. The doctor came in and suggested a cesarean birth. During the operation, Zulema and Zabrina's mother and I went to get something to eat. When we returned, Michael and Sabrina were out of surgery and in recovery. The baby was 23 inches long. This was the longest baby I had had to date. (laughs) Sabrina and Michael were thoroughly happy, new parents. And that was my longest birth to date, five days. I hope this story serves as an inspiration. Isn't it amazing how our bodies are capable of such incredible feats? Even if your labor lasts for five days and ends with a cesarean birth, remember that every birth is a moment of celebration and joy. Each journey is unique, and the most important thing is that you and your baby are safe and healthy. Whether labor is short or long, your body is remarkable. And if at times you need a little assistance to welcome your baby, that's perfectly okay too. Embrace the miracle of birth in all its forms and know that you are strong, resilient, and incredible throughout this extraordinary process. Keep your spirits high, for you are on the path to welcoming the most precious gift of all. Third trimester, a little birth inspo. Birth is a rite of passage for women, a journey into motherhood that requires courage, strength, and resilience. As birth workers, we are honored to witness and support women on this journey. Sister Morningstar, midwife and author of The Power of Women. Postpartum. Even if your labor lasts for five days and ends with a cesarean birth, 
Each journey is unique. And the most important thing is that you and your baby are safe. Whether labor is short or long, your body is a remarkable vessel, knowing exactly what to do to bring new life into the world. Thank you for listening. I would appreciate it if you would leave a review and rate the podcast five stars. It helps other people find the podcast. Please check the show notes for resources from this episode. I love to hear from you and will read your review on a future episode. If you have any questions or comments, you can also send me an email at clearbirthpodcast at gmail.com. Happy birthing! This podcast was edited and managed by Wordy Productions.